Welcome back to Are You For Real with Kira Mendenhall. Today I'm a guest on the show, guys. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Here we are back again, you know, back in the spot. So Kira and I had a day or like a few days the other day where we, so Kira and I like the way we spend time together is so Kira is a nurse practitioner in the ICU and she, or, and she also paints all the time. So when we hang out, we like, we go, we like, it's like we're speed dating kind of like we maniacally hang out with each other for like two days and I'm sure it was Kira. She was like, I let's get me on the podcast again. And then she's like, actually, let me interview you. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then I was like, no, this could be kind of fun. Actually, you asked me. And then I was the one oh. with the content creation. Okay, that's true, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in general, in life, I like to like do things really hard. I mean, not that I'm trying to do you, but you know. <laughs> And then get sick of them. Yeah. But I'm not going to get sick of you. But Well, we could. Yeah, maybe. Um, but we were just talking about like kind of shooting the shit. I think she came over one day, John was out of town and we had watched, or she had already watched it and then she re-watched it with me, but we watched all the new Sex in the City. And I'd already seen it before. Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Listen to other people other than yourself. Yep. And I had some thoughts on it because it's been so like, pe- I feel like people were like kind of dogging it and this and that. And I said to Kira, I was like, it's just nostalgic for me, and it's just a fucking show. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like people are, like, just ragging it so bad, and I will die on the hill. I am enjoying it. And that, <clears throat> you know, people are saying that they're seeming so old, but this is, like, the women, these women usually, 20 years ago, they never had roles like this. Like, a six-year-old woman didn't have a role where she was on an HBO show, was the center, was having sex with people, was going through all these things. And people are like, they're acting so old. And, I mean, they are going a little hard on some of the, you know, themes of it all. But in general, I'm like... But you also have to get, like, the point across. It's yes. like a quick series. And, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker in her closet in her old apartment, surrounded by beautiful clothes, wearing a designer gown. I mean, that is, like, everything I need. Yeah. I think if you're into it, you're not, you're into it. And if you're not, don't watch it. Yeah. I mean, I really do feel like that about a lot of things though. Yeah. People like to, uh, act personally offended when something doesn't go their way. And it's like, honey, Sarah Jessica Parker is laughing to the bank. She doesn't care about you. <laughs> so true. Um, another, uh, thing Kira and I experienced last week before she interviews me is we talked a little bit about feedback because feedback is a big part of our culture here at the studio. And Kira teaches two classes a week at the studio, and Chandler and I went and took class, and it was an amazing class. And the only feedback that Chan and I had was just like about, we we're just talking about like voice flexion and just some stuff that's just like literally nitty gritty. And Chandler sent Kira a text just like of the feedback because she's a leader at the studio. And I was like, Kira, what, what did Chan say? And she was like, I didn't read the text. She's like, I don't do negative criticism. And I was like, oh God, here we go. And so I was explaining to Kira and my class on Saturday about like how yoga started so, you know, many, many thousands and thousands of years ago. And the father of modern yoga is a man named Krishmanacharya. And he studied with a man named Brahmacharya for 10 years in a cave. And the whole like principle of yoga that we've beautifully like completely fucked fucked up basically (laughs) is a teacher-student relationship. So you're learning and you're like kind of, they back in the day it was very perfectionist, which we don't do, but it's like you're learning and you're growing from that space. So I thought that was a fun little tidbit of our week last week. Yeah. I mean, well, 
I, as an artist, have a very fragile ego. <laughs> and sometimes I can't take the negativity in because it... It's not negative. But it permeates to everything else. Okay, wait. I actually have been thinking about this a lot. Okay. So what if we never gave anyone any negative feedback unless it was harming someone? So, like, we just did away with that. So, like, say, like, if... I mean, I can't even think of an example, but, like, like people do things differently. And just because they do them differently, unless it's harming someone else, like, do they need to get that feedback? So what if it harms them? Well, that's harming someone. Okay, I don't, I think you're really wrong here. <laughs> like, that's not how, like, so it's not like, what? No, I'm not even, I should not even brought that up. Like, that is, this is, we have, it's not negative. It's growing. I know, I know. It's you know, just, it's, it's like you could eat apple pie until you die from a freaking heart attack. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, she was harmed. Guess we didn't know. <laughs> I know, it's very, it's so hard for me to hear anything less than really positive this things. This is a good myself. place for you to be. Where? In the space of teaching oh. and growing. I mean, I think the thing is that we're constantly asking of our students to like examine themselves and to recalibrate and to gain traction and like to the truths and the real. And then Chandler and I literally with like a bow and like a bouquet of roses, we're like, hey, you just should change the flex in your voice. And Kira's like, Mm-mm, shut down. Yeah. And you know, that's, I didn't cry. Wow. So that's probably growth. Wow. Because I have seen some tears. I mean, when I was like in high school and college, like if my mom even would say a word with like one downward syllable, I would just be like sobbing. Dude, but that's not life. Like how? How? I'm not saying it's healthy, but like we're growing. Okay. We're growing. We're growing. Okay. Okay. Um, what else? Um, I don't like what, how are you feeling about the new year? What's your 2022? I feel really good. Oh, okay. Honestly, I feel so good. I feel like, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really enjoying teaching right now, which for me is like my favorite thing to do. So classes have just been rolling. I've just got some. How do you like stay motivated to teach all the time? That's my favorite thing. I know, but do you ever feel stale? Yes. That's when you got to make shit happen. You got to go run over a sign in your car. (laughs) You got to like reach out to your sister you haven't talked to in eight years. You got to like get in a real big fight with your husband, start going to therapy. Like you just got to keep stuff fresh. Yeah. You're like, you're like one of those like mommy bloggers that just keeps having more children so they can get more followers. (laughs) Basically. And then like, but you're just like letting bad things happen to you. They're not bad. Feedback. Okay. We're really got to work on this. Like I don't see these as bad things. I see these as life things and it's so, everything's so relatable. You know, I, so I gave this analogy in my class this morning. Everyone knows I love an analogy, but it's so, I was talking about how Meggie Carter and I, we travel out of the country sometimes for work. And like Meggie has traveled the whole world, like been to Vietnam by herself. Like she's the coolest, most laid back traveler, like just whatever. And I think we all can imagine how Carter travels for an 8 a.m. No, for an 8 a.m. flight. She's like, I'll pick you up at two. AM. Right. And then like, I'm kind of like the child, like we get to the airport before we leave, I'm buying like shot glasses that say Charleston on them. Like, you know, like shiny, but we all get to Mexico the same way. So we're traveling. Our travels might be different, but we're all going the same destination. And I really do think in life, and I'm not trying to be like a cliche yoga journal article, no offense to yoga journal. If they want to have me in there, I'll be in there. But, (laughs) but (laughs) we're, everyone has different fires. We're all putting out different fires, but ultimately we're all going in the same place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I think most people don't wake up and they're like, you know what? I don't really want to fuck up my life. 
I think yeah. most people, we wake up and we're like, all right, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do this year that's going to elevate me to the next place? Like, how am I going to find someone to love? How am I going to, you know, enrich my career? And we're all just navigating these different roads. And I think when we acknowledge that together, it creates like a community of amazingness. Yeah. I mean, even if it's hard, even if it's hard, yeah. even if it requires feedback. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm growing as we speak. I know. I was, I was going to say this other thing too, that I, um, we all know Tracy. We've had her on the podcast before yes. and she's freaking wonderful. And she lost her son, Tyler, <clears throat> two years ago, um, this past Sunday, which would have been the 23rd of January. And I got, uh, a DM from this girl yesterday and she said, Hey, um, I've taken your class many times. I was with you at your last studio. I come when I can here. I just had a baby, blah, blah, blah. She said, and I knew Tyler and I signed up for his charity ride next door at cycle. She said, but I just couldn't come. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I too lost my brother to the same thing that Tyler passed of. And I finally listened to Tracy's podcast and I'd really love to come on your podcast if you'd have me because I'd like to talk about him, but I also lost my mom to suicide 12 years ago. Wow. And I think that by like sharing our different fires, like she was like, I was so, I felt so free when I could listen to Tracy talk about that and like see her on the other side because she's like, I'm not there right now. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I don't know. I just think we grow in those moments. And for me, like to your question, like that's what keeps me coming back. Yeah. I crave the people. Yeah. Like it's just, it's such an, like, and I don't, and I know other people have such fulfilling jobs, but like I, I feel fulfilled every day when I teach. I really do. Yeah. You know. More fulfilled than I feel as a mom sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, momming can be hard. Very thankless. Very, very (laughs) thankless. You don't realize that until you're about maybe 25, 30. Oh, my God. You really just, I mean, the things your parents did for you. I know. I think about that. Like, I wish my mom was alive and I could be like, I'm sorry and thank you. Yeah. You know, it's like I gave my mom so much shit. I mean, we had a great relationship. And my dad, too. Like, he was the strict one and my mom wasn't. And so I like hated her, loved him, wait, hated him, loved her, but not really hated him, you know, but he just was strict and my mom was so chill. And now I look back and I'm like, I should probably parent more like my dad. Yeah. Not eat mushrooms with my child. (laughs) (laughs) I know my mom made my life seem so like effortless when I was little, like, or like all growing up, it was like, everything was always taken care of. And then you like, and you're like, wow, this like takes a lot of work. I mean, like planning a vacation with children, like we went to New York for God Christmas. God bless John is all I'm going to say. He does David's it. David's like, okay, like we, we got to do this, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, fuck, I just want to go on a vacation. I've got to read a hundred reviews, figure all this out. We got to get logistics. Where's the Ubers? Where's the subway? All this stuff. And it's like, when I was little, it's like, my mom just made it seem like it was the easiest, breeziest thing. Yeah. It's crazy. That's nice of her. You're a good one, mama. <laughs> So what else, Kira? Um, well, I mean, I just had some questions for you from okay. some adoring fans. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, oh, well, first off, guys, Sarah's very, very nervous for me to interview her because... She's psycho. <laughs> but, you know, talking shit is my love language, so you know I love you when I'm making fun of you. Thanks. Yeah. So, so I just really love but you. But you hate feedback. No, I love I love talking shit though. Okay. Anyone can talk shit to me. Okay, I love that. Okay, I remember that. But don't like how, give me anything serious. Okay, you know? stay surface. <laughs> um, okay, let's see what we got here. Um, okay, so um, what piece of advice would you give your twenty five year old self? 
Which is funny because aren't we 25? <laughs> Gosh. Um, uh, okay, this sounds so dumb. And I've got to feel like one of those stupid people right now. But like, honestly, that's all going to work out. Because at 20, I think I got engaged when I was 25 to my first husband. Married maybe at 26. Divorced at 27. And my mom died like right around that time. And I just remember feeling like, first of all, I felt like a fucking loser. Yeah. Because who does that? And I felt really shameful about it. And then I was also grieving my mom. And I was just like, and I remember my ex saying to me, and I, and I think um, we never have really talked again, and, but I only do wish, I mean, I mean this, I really do wish him the best. I mean, I would probably, I'd be his friend if he'd be my friend, but I don't think he would be. <laughs> um, but I remember him saying to me as I was literally walking out the door, he's like, you're going to be just like your mom. Because <clears throat> my mom was married four times. And... That like wow, low blow, Justin. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, he he deserved to low blow me. <laughs> I didn't live with the same integrity that I do now. So, um, you know, I think I felt like I just I didn't know what was going on, and I think that's like being that that age. You know, you guys know, like Lindsay's here too. Like that's such an introspective age. I don't know. Um, just that it's like move through it. I, I was I was coaching one of our younger teachers who's like twenty one and. She's like, I just want to be, you know, where you are. And I was like, okay, first of all, pump the brakes. <laughs> like, you got a lot you to will learn, never baby. Be where I am. <laughs> but I mean, I want you to. But I also think it's all about life experiences. And I was just talking to a friend of mine just recently, or just now actually, and she's um, like in the midst of a separation. And she's like, I know, I know what's happening right now because I'm a smart woman. She's like, but I just want to fast forward through it. Yeah. And like, you can't fast forward through it. You can't. So it's like you're every day you're gaining some sort of perspective. Yeah. And that's like the worst thing to hear when you're in pain. Yeah. But it's true. And it's like the tincture of time, you know, it's like such a true thing. And well, first off, I just can't believe you and no judgment to people that get married young, but I just cannot believe you were a person that married young. That is like wild to me as I know you now. But also. um, But I married John Young, too, though. I know. I, we were married. I, we got married when I was 28, I think. Wow. Uh-huh. We did. I was 28. Yep. I mean, when I was 28, I was a psycho. I always knew I wanted to be a wife, which people like that. Whoa. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because, Carrie, you grew up with parents that are still married. Yeah. I didn't. You know, I grew up with a mom who was married four times, dated a million people in between them, was like this beautiful, wild woman who was like the life of the party. And I remember thinking when I was little, I was like... I wish my mom would show up to school to pick me up in a minivan with white kids Mm -hmm. instead of wearing a bikini with a pair of overalls and smoking a joint. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, so I always craved that like structure and I associate like having a solid partner with that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe I did subconsciously know how hard my mom worked and I was like, (laughs) fuck that. That looks like a lot of work. You're like, David, you got two kids. Good. We're good. (laughs) Perfect. I'll take all three of you. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also like looking back and I'm sure I can't even imagine what it feels like to be divorced at 27. And like you said, like feel like a loser. And then now, you know, 13 years later, like, it was growth, but it was also who even cares about it now? I mean, not that you don't care about right. it, but it's just like you're so far removed from it. It's like that's the least interesting thing about you. But when it happens, it feels like the most interesting thing about you. Totally. And I remember going and seeing my mom and she was sick then, but she was still alive. And 
she said to me, she was like, well, she said two things to me. And I think I've said this on the podcast before. The first thing she said is the advice of a woman who's been married four times. She said, baby, you got to divorce him within a year. Everyone will think it's his fault. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said to me, she said, Sarah, you are not the last of your friends. She said, you're just the first. Yeah. And she's right. It's hard to be the first. It's hard to be the first. But, you know, I like to be the best at everything. So oh, I, <laughs> I just got to get there. <laughs> I got to first, first. I did it. I did it. I did it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's that was, for me, a hard, a hard lesson. And at the same time that that was all going on, I was also, like, young. And I was moved down here. And I was, like, living on the island. And I was, you know, met John and fell in love. So it was kind of just this perfect storm of a lot of emotions. Yeah. So you were a, a real hottie back then. I mean, you still Excuse are. Me. Sorry. You, oh, wow. Just cut that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine you running around wild with your long hair. Mm-hmm. But you I know. was. I was wild and free. You know, I told you the other day, if I look like you when I'm 40, it doesn't look like I'm headed that direction. Shut but up. like, I'd be very thankful. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see what else. Oh, I think this is very interesting. Um, what do some people misunderstand about you? Because mm. I think there's a lot of things people misunderstand about Sarah Frick. You start. Okay, well, so I... As an outsider looking in before we were friends, go ahead. No, well, not necessarily that, but like more as an insider, I guess. Uh, like things that I think... Um, do you want to talk about your sister already? You can. Yeah, we can talk about okay. it. Um, so the, what I was thinking about in relation to your sister who we'll get into that, but that from the outside, despite the fact that you like have lost a baby and had to go through like lots of IVF and like you said, got divorced from your own lost your mom when you were young, like despite all that hardship, which is like so many more difficult things than I've ever dealt with. I feel like people think you live a really charmed life. And people are like, oh, well, she lives in this beautiful house on water and she has these beautiful children and this husband and this amazing career. And she's like so dynamic and beautiful. And people like think from the outside, like that you don't have any problems. Mm -hmm. And um, And then you come live in my house like you do. And you're like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily that, but it's like everyone has a problem. Oh, you know? Fuck yeah. And uh, I think from the outside, people think like. I don't know, like you wake up and it's just like you're just having a blast morning, noon, and night, and everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we were talking about your sister, mm-hmm. who is eight years younger than you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have not spoken to in eight No, years. it's actually her birthday today. Yeah, <sighs> we texted today. It gives me chills. I know. I'm like, when will Kira cry? I'm counting. <laughs> Now, guys, it's now. Um, well, just to, so then, yeah, just tell the background on this. I will. So I'm gonna, but I'm gonna go back to the beginning of your question. So okay. I think for me, and I've had a lot of people tell me this that have been like haven't that have seen me maybe on social media or heard about the studio or seen, you know, our branding or whatever it is, is that they think that it's very performative. Um, a lot of the work that we do here, and I'm gonna just speak on a whole, and then I'll dial in more personal, but. And then they get into the rooms and they get into like, we'll just speak about me because we're talking about me, my room specifically. And they're like, oh shit, like this is, we're all doing this work together. Yeah, that's like, I've only ever known you in a yoga sense. And so I've never thought that about you. But you've heard other people in the yoga community think that, say that. Yes, yes, yes. Say, talk shit about me. But like knowing you for one second knows like none of it's performative. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. 
And I think that honestly, like it takes a lot to really, really hurt my feelings. Cause I'm pretty good. Like I've got this, I've got a freaking like team behind me that would catch me and that love me. And I'd rather turn my energy towards them than the other way. But I think that hurts me probably the most is that people that would really rather put their energy into like judging what we're doing when they don't even fucking know what's going on in that room. Like they don't know that the people that are in there that have lost people or healing from addiction or have lost children or have lost, you know, whatever love or their own health, you know, like people don't always, it's so much easier for people to be like, and the bathrooms were dirty and the music was too loud. And what, and I'm like, you're missing the fucking point. I know. And I'm like, fuck, fuck you. Seriously, fuck you. And I probably, Lindsay, you might cut that. But, (laughs) and I don't, and I just want to say, because it's like, I think uh, it's so much that goes into it and there's so much heart and there's so much work and there's so many bills and there's so many clogged toilets and there's so many changing out. Messed up AV systems. I mean, seriously. And it's like, we're literally, and you know this, someone that works for me. I mean, you make a good fucking living working at the hospital. You don't make shit working at the works. Right. We're not in here fucking making millions. And there's times when I write paychecks for people and I don't see my, I don't see a paycheck, you know, yeah. many times. And I don't say that because I have a husband that makes money. I say that because I have had to save a lot and I am willing to like take that risk because there are, of course there's off, there's payoffs, of course. But I think it always, it's given me perspective to look at what other people do instead of looking at it in an eye of judgment and looking at it in a space of like opportunity and like support, like, dude, what you're doing, like what other people are doing, like your art, let's take that for example, like you get self-conscious about it sometimes. We all do because we're putting our heart on the freaking, in the middle of the world and we're like, please don't hurt it. Please don't hurt it. And then when someone just like wants to like pop it, you're like, you don't even get it. And I think like my advice to that, to somebody that's listening, potentially thinking about going out on their own or, you know, living their craft is like, you, you, you got to, you can't listen to it. I'm not saying you don't listen to feedback, (laughs) (laughs) but you can't, you cannot put, if you put, listen, I think every day we wake up with a certain amount of energy. Some days we have more, some days we have less, but you have a certain amount of energy in your tank before it is empty. And if you take 90% of your energy to fight someone else's problem, you're fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. Yeah. And I think we look at the rooms here and people also see this, they see that the rooms are really full. So they think it's cush, right? Those rooms are full. So you got $10,000 rents in two different places. You're fine. People have no fucking idea. Right. You know, like how much money I spend on other things. And so I can't focus my energy on trying to prove what we're doing. And I used to do that. Like, I felt like I had to like be this hard ass and I'm not a hard ass and like prove myself, you know, I'm a badass. I'm not a hard ass. (laughs) And, and I don't need to do that anymore. So maybe that goes back to 25 and whatever. What was the question you asked me? It was saying, (laughs) um, uh, what do people misunderstand about you? Okay. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, there's a sense of me too, that would like, I would like, I really would do anything for the women and the men that work for me. I really would. Like I've, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I think I know you would and Lindsay would. And like, these are the people that I surround myself with is that like, we're, we're lovers. And yes, am I, am I able to have a hard conversation? Absolutely. It's, I've grown a lot, but you know, we had a, a, a person that we love recently and she had to have an abortion and she didn't have any family anywhere to go. And I was like, come to my house for the weekend, you know? And like, we just, we're constantly supporting each other because we know that there's a betterment there. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of piggyback to what Kira was saying about my sister is that I had not talked to my sister in 
what did I say? It was like eight years. eight years. So John and I have been married 12, almost 12 years. She, Emily maybe came to my, we- maybe long, I don't know. I should know. <laughs> we'll say 12, maybe 13. Um, but she, Emily came to my wedding and um, I, you know, um, after that we had a situation and I shared about it in class um, and I'll share about it on here too. Because, and I'm, you know, cause I'm, I'll talk to her about it. Like I'm not talking bad about her behind her back. I think that she's kind of come to the place where she is because, you know, honestly for me, I, I was the one who felt shameful in this story, especially after listening. And I go back to Tracy all the time, but I've learned so much from her about addiction. Mm-hmm. And my sister was, um, an addict and she was, um, at, after John and I got married, she went away for a while. We had no idea where she was. And I, we, I got a call from her and she was in Compton and she, um, had been picked up for solicitation and so she could buy drugs and John and I had to like help her and get her back here. And I remember being so fucking mad at her. Cause like I said, in class and we'd had, we didn't have any money at the time. And like, it was a big deal. And, uh, when my, when our mom was dying, she was just, you know, up to her old shit that I felt like at the time. Out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like she was there, but she was just like, I don't know. And so I had a lot of resentment towards her. And so I was just like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Fuck you. Instead of being like, wow, this person's in pain, which is how I would see it now. Right. Um, and cause she had been in facilities for treatment. She had been in facilities for so many things. Um, like, you know, was in juvie before she could go anywhere else. And I was like, you grew up on the intercoastal waterway with a pony, get your fucking shit together. Instead of being like, there's underlying pain. Her father was my mother's second husband who's bipolar and an alcoholic. Mm. Right. Right. And so an adult can see that, but being an image, I was so immature at the time. Um, and just, I was like, I think when you operate too from your ego, like people think ego means like, I look good. Ego is your, like when you put your anger on other people, right? Like ego is when you, it's all those things. And I was literally just like flying high there. And so when I turned 40 a few months ago, I just had this kind of like come to Jesus with myself about so much. And I was like, you know, I don't have a lot of people that are connected to my mom. I'm not very close with her side of the family. And I was like, I really need to get in touch with Emily. And I reached out to her and we've, been texting back and forth, but we're almost like two scared cats. Right. Like truly, like, it's like, we've been, we've tried, we've almost gone to talk so many times and then like, it's just gone dark. Yeah. And I think it's cause we're both like, I think I'm scared. And I told her in this, in the text and I let, I let you read it. I think I was just like, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry for judging you because I did. Yeah. And I love you. And you know, I think she's scared to let me down and scared that I'm going to judge her. And I'm scared that she thinks like I'm mad at her. So it's like, we're just like in this place right now. And I don't even know what that, how that means anything. But I think my point to that was like, I think so many times in the room, in friendships, on podcasts, we talk about like people who have like gone over the hump. And like right now, this is something I'm like in the middle of. Yes. I mean, at least you're in a place, you know, like three months ago, you weren't even in a place. Uh -uh. No, I mean, I went, my dad, we have different fathers, but we grew up with my mom. We grew up really close. And um, my dad's always like, have you talked to Emily? Have you talked to Emily? And I think I, I think I realized like a year ago, maybe, I mean, he had asked me, he would ask me every time we talked. And I think I realized like a year ago, he, ha- he hadn't asked me anymore. Mm. And I was just like, hmm, and you should let him know I've talked to her too. Yeah. But I think we all have things like that. Yeah. And that was for me like a big avoiding thing, you know, like there was shame around it. I was a little embarrassed for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
there's, I mean, even like knowing Tracy, knowing you, knowing like a lot of people have had problems with addiction and like having addiction in my own family, it's still no matter how many times you hear it, like when Tracy like talks about addiction being a disease and we talked about this, but like, it's so hard for me to comprehend that in my brain, even like as a healthcare person, like to be like, this is something that is like short wired in their brains because on the external, it seems so selfish. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was my thing. I was like, get your shit together. Yeah. yeah. And like y- you from the outside with like a, quote unquote normal brain, not sure about that, yeah. but that, <laughs> it's not going like, too far. <laughs> that like, or like for me, it's so hard to think like, why can't you just not do this? Mm-hmm. And like, even all the learning and all that stuff. And that's like what a lot Tracy talks about is, you know, the shame of addiction and how it needs to be reframed. And like with that, it's still so much unlearning that we all need to do like as a society. Totally. And I think we do, you know, I think, something that the room has afforded me as well is like a more front row seat to people that have struggled with that and learning that that does not negate from like all the other aspects of their life. Right. It's like, we're so multifaceted and it's like one thing does not like blanket you and consume you. Like that's not your total identity. Right. And yeah. Let's see. Lots of people are asking about advice to your former self. Okay. What is, who has been your most important mentor in your life? You know, when my dad lost Kay, his wife, my dad got married when I was four, remarried when I was four, and he, um, she passed away like two or three years, maybe three, three years ago. How old are the twins? Yeah, like three years ago. Um, and he said, he said to me before, and it makes me want to cry because when my dad cries, like, oh my God. Oh my God. Me oh too. my God. <laughs> and he said to me, you know, I never realized that Kay was the biggest influence on my life. And it's so true. You know, you're married to someone for that long. And... I think like a mentor is definitely different than an influence, but I mean, I think I have to say my dad, you know, it's like, he's just like always there for me. And I I mean, my dad like always has my back, but he's also not, he's hard on me, you know, like he holds me to the fire and he has given me the work ethic that I have. And he, but he like, he's, he loves me so much and he's not scared to show that he loves me, you know? And I think that, um, that's, you know, I always say my dad's the first feminist I ever loved, you know, like he always told me like, and I think I've said this on here before. He's like, you can be the president. And my mom was like, you should absolutely be a weather girl. You are so tall. You know, you could so. reach all the way across the country with just one She's arm. Like, you could just be the best weather girl. You are so pretty and tall. And my dad was like, you need to be a fucking president, you know? And so I think my dad just always supported me dreaming really big. Yeah. He's a big Mike, you know, he's a big love. He's and- a love. And he's gotten so much softer in his old age. I mean, my dad used to be like, all my friends used to be scared of him. Really? Well, yeah, because he's he was. I mean, he is gigantic. You're still you're still ripped, Dad. But I mean, my dad (laughs) used to be like like ripped and super freaking strict. Like all my friends could get like ride with people that had cars and like everything. And like even when I was in college, and I would go, I went to college in Raleigh, and I would fly to Massachusetts to visit him. He'd be like, "You have a curfew." I'm like, "You get that? I was out till like 5 a.m. last night, right?" Like so, you know, he's got he's got boundaries. Uh. I'm into it. Taught 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 you well. Yes. Um, this one. Hey, what are your nicknames? Which is funny because you don't have any nicknames. So my mom used to call me Say, which I think is the only nickname for Sarah. Really, 
Wow, that's interesting though, because like I'm a big like early nickname adopter. Like if I know someone, I hang out with for like five hours. So all, like, my, I'm all like, my friends from growing up, all my Raleigh friends that grew up with my mom, they all call me Say. Oh, okay. And then my nephew, a long time when he before he could say Sarah, he called me Ra. So a lot of John's family calls me Ra Ra. Okay. Um. Oh, my friend Jessica, who I love, is one of my best friends from growing up. She calls me Monster because she's like, you are a fucking psycho. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. If the nickname fits. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. I loved this question. How in the hell do you keep your cup full when you give it so, so much to so many people? I pour it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I've said this before and I, I do think that like I am a pack animal like by nature and I think that... I really feed on other people and like good energy. Like I know what classes are going to feed me. Um, I, I love boutique fitness and I'm not just saying that to sell the business. Like clearly it's a passion, um, that like if I can get into people's rooms and they're telling stories and it's inspiring, like I am so about it. Um, let's see what else. Um, let me, I don't even know. I mean, that's so shitty. I don't know. I would say like as an insider, Sarah's cup can run pretty empty. (laughs) I was about to say my cup doesn't usually run empty, but yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Honestly, y'all, that's so true. It's like, I think I'm, whose cup doesn't? Uh, I don't know. Maybe yours more. You always seem like you're like Kira. I'll tell you all this and I shouldn't even toot her horn like this. But Kira works more than anyone I know. Like she really does. She saves lives all the time. She paints. She does her work at the studio. She's about to do a million other things that she's excited about. (laughs) Never complains. You never complain. Not once. Is that something you like grew up with? I don't know if I grew up with that. My neither of my parents really ever complain that I can think of. Um my little brother, he's a little bitch. He love you, Connor, <laughs> but he loves to complain. But I don't know. We're all like pretty happy go lucky, I guess. But you don't complain. Like, but I'm, I'm, I also uh, consciously, and this is like probably you know also something that's bad for you. But like I consciously, like I cannot stand when people complain. I'm like, if you don't like your situation, then fucking change it because it, you're exhausting everyone. And so I think I I really try to consciously not complain like whenever I'm like I'm so tired she's like why are you so tired she's like literally worked like 17 nights in a row I'm like wrong this is the wrong audience yeah I, I grew up in a family that was like you weren't allowed to be tired mm. so maybe that explains but I will a lot. say like to that point and we're segueing like you know and I've talked about this your compassion level can run a little short oh funny as you know the healer in yeah the room. right but um yeah, I mean, it's, I actually, this is going to shock you, but I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but I, um, it's not that I don't have a lot of space for bullshit because like, I love the bullshit part of life. Like I love the like silly and the dumb and all that stuff, but it's like, I think that's a lot of it. Like change your life or shut up about it. And like, but what about, and it's not easy like that for everybody. I know it's very, it's a very privileged thing to say. It is. Um, but I feel you because I was actually just speaking to my friends that I was just with before this. And I was like, I have a hard time. I don't want to say weak people, but people that are like, don't like have chutzpah, like can't just yes. like get over the, and, and that's a, that's a problem of mine. 
Like, that's like me. Like, I don't, that's, I need to chill on that. You know? Yeah. Like, I think that's a hard ass versus a badass. Yeah. And like, everyone thinks being a hard ass is so fucking cool, but it's not cool. Wow. Do you know what's some like really intense feedback when your best friend tells you you're not compassionate? (laughs) You might want to examine that. Check working on that one. (laughs) But you didn't cry. A a gentle tear. (laughs) But I mean, you probably have to be compassionate all the time at the hospital. Oh, talk about people that I want to change their lives. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that is like part of it. Like it's hardened me. Yeah. And we, like um, me and Lindsay were actually talking about this before you came in. Lindsay's Lindsay, so famous producer. and you only, and you never hear her voice. I heard her voice on Ross's podcast and I was like, Lindsay, is that you? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> well, that's the producer. And so we were in here before Sarah came in and I was saying how I like, how Sarah has like the most capacity for sorrow of anyone I've ever met, which like maybe is a good thing, maybe is a bad thing. And like, obviously like all the terrible things that happened to you and all the grief in your young life, like that kind of conditioned you. And now like, you know, 10 years or eight years after losing grace. And then like after losing your mom and all that stuff, then you have like this well inside of you that you can like take people's sorrow so easily. And you can like feel that and hold space for them. And like, I'm kind of the opposite that I can't tolerate that. And I don't know if that's like so many people that I've seen die at the hospital or what exactly, but like, I guess my opinion of is there's unlimited amounts of sorrow in the world and there's like unlimited amounts of joy. And so I'm just going to choose the joy. (laughs) We know. And so it's hard. It's hard for me to like, but you do have a different perspective. I mean, and I'll, and I, you know, Kira will, get off her shift. And I'm always like, have, you know, hope you're good. And I'm like, did anyone die? And I don't say it. And like, we're not, I'm, we're not making light of life. And like, it's just, I'm so, and God, this is gonna sound fucking terrible. I'm like fascinated with your job. I really am. Like, I cannot imagine doing what you do. And I mean, that is part of the, like a big part of the reason I'm in healthcare. Like, I think it is so interesting to like, not see people at their weakest because that sounds like sadistic, but to like have like see every range of human emotion. Like it's so fascinating. But you've said to me before, yes. And with the, she never discloses who they are or anything like that. But she said, yes, but they needed to. And not in a, she doesn't say it in a mean way. And I'm like, oh my God. And at first I was, like, so I was like, Kira, she's like, no, they were suffering. Yeah. You know? And, and that's just such a different perspective because I think, I mean, I remember my mom was so sick and like, even when Grace was so sick, but when my mom was so sick and like she was on an oxygen tank and like she had to sleep with, and I mean, this was not long cause she died so soon after that, but with books, she got a, um, what's that called when they puncture, she had, they, they like punctured a, her, well, they punctured her lungs. They were trying to drain it cause she had, like um, she had pleural effusions probably whatever it was, but she basically was basically fluid in her lung. She was feeling. Yeah. So yeah. they kept having to puncture her lung to drain it, whatever. And she had to sleep with books behind a pillow because she had to sleep so yeah. upright, you know? And I was like, well, I mean, this was like a week before she died or whatever. And I was like, well, you know, just being a common person, I was like, we're going to, we got, what's the next thing we can do? And the doctor's like, there's nothing more we can do. Yeah. And he saw the, the truth in the matter, right? Like this woman is dying and she's really in pain and struggling. And then like the heart in me, I was like, no, my mom can't die. Yeah. And so, I mean, how do you, like, now we're going to turn the interview to Kira. So how do you, but how do you talk to patients like that? Like, say I walked in. Um, well, I mean, I do respect a lot that doctor that said, like, there's nothing more we can do because there's a lot of doctors that 
are not able to say that. Um, and I think, like you said, like, I think that I see the person and them suffering. And to me, I think like, this wouldn't be how I'd want to live, how I'd want my family to live. Now I've never had like a, my, the only person that's ever been close to me that's died was my grandma and she was like 98 and she was like ready to go. So that was like sad, but it wasn't a difficult decision. So I've never had someone that was like close and young and like, it was just like taken for me kind of the situation. But, um, I, I mean, I guess my thing that I say to them is a lot of it is they have to make so many difficult decisions and that's, so hard for a family you know because if someone comes in and the doctor or the mp or the nurse is like well they're not going to make it and then you say like what do you want to do then a lot of people feel like they're doing something harmful to their family member you know that they're making the decision to withdraw care or whatever so i guess i just try to come to it like as open-minded as possible but being factual And the hard thing is that a lot of times you can be factual with people, but they're such in a place of grief and stress, they can't absorb anything that you're saying. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it feels a lot of times like you're beating your head against the wall, like people that we know won't recover. And you're like, well, there's nothing else we can do, but the family, they can't hear that. Mm -hmm. So I guess a lot of it is just like supporting them while they come to the conclusion themselves. And sometimes it's, like torture to watch these families and they just can't let yeah. go. It's awful. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it's hard to answer because every situation is like so, so separate. Um, but it, it's just so delicate and so tragic to see some of these families, you know, at yeah. the end. Today's episode is brought to you by Shoes on King, which is one of my all-time favorite shoe stores. Um, The thing about Shoes on King is that they have everything from your runners to your night out shoes to your boots. Um, It's also a female-owned, locally operated boutique on King Street between Calhoun and George Street. One of the reasons I love Shoes on Kings, or one of the many reasons, is they carry a range of shoes in all price points, and there is always something for every occasion. The store prides itself in finding emerging designers, so you know they always have the latest and the greatest. A few of my favorite brands they carry are On Running Shoes, which if you have a back like mine that has been used over and over again, these shoes are like running on clouds. Also, if you see me running, it means someone's chasing me, so you'll probably see me walking in them. Dolce Vita, C by Chloe, Sam Edelman, P448, and Veronica Beard, which makes beautiful sandals. Check them out on Instagram at Shoes on King or visit their website, www.shoesonking.com. Um, okay, this one is so cute because I just think about little Sarah. What did you want to be when you were little? I don't know. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <The> ambition. <laughs> um, I think that, I know this sounds weird, but I was thinking about this because I talked to my kids about stuff like this. I think I wanted to be a vet because I liked animals. Oh my God. I wanted to be a vet too, but I didn't like animals, which is funny because you oh, know I'm weird. obsessed you're, with animals. You're so not care when people die (laughs) i'm obsessed with animals but like literally when i was little i was like i want to be a vet and my mom was like you don't even touch the dogs why did you want to be a vet then i have no idea i think like i think every generation of kids like grows up with the thing that's like the thing to be yeah and like maybe our generation was like vet (laughs) i think i wanted to be a vet i also think i really i loved to sing like yeah. I'm actually kind You're of You're a beautiful singer. Thank you, Kira. You're I welcome. love to sing. And growing up they used to call me Sarah Bernhardt. 
um, after the great actress. So, I mean, I kind of always like to do stuff like that. So you wanted to go into a creative lifestyle. Always been very creative, not very math and science oriented. What were you like when you were like 10 years old? What were you into? What grade is that? Uh, I do my life by grades. Sixth, fifth. Um, four. <laughs> I think it's wait. I should know. Okay, Waylon's eight. He's in second. Nine. Okay, fourth. Fourth grade. My teacher was Mrs. Cochran. Actually, speak about mentor. She was so amazing, and I remember her. Um, and she loved Jimmy Buffett, and <laughs> she was my teacher in Cary, North Carolina. And I'm still friends with so many people that were in that class with me. Um, and she just, I don't know, she was awesome. But I guess, so what did I want to be then? Um, I was, like I said, I mean, I just, I've always been kind of loud. Yeah. And I used to think, like, I used to be embarrassed by that. I wanted to be, like, quiet and studious. And I would be like, I'm not going to, I'm going to be quiet. And then I'd be like, ah! (laughs) Um, But. (laughs) I love being loud when I was little. Of course you did. (laughs) So I, so I got, when I was in the second grade, um, my mom got a letter home that said, because I was, like, ADD before they, like, were really diagnosing ADD that I wasn't allowed to have candy at school or like she couldn't send any sugar. So my mom would send me. Sounds like a one certain male (laughs) twin of yours that I know. Exactly. Okay. That my mom would only send carob. Do you guys, do they even make carob anymore? That's like, it's probably like sweet and low chocolate. Okay. (laughs) And they, I had to have carob chocolate and I will remember the taste for the rest of my life. And I was just hyper, you know, and loquacious as they told me. And I thought that at that time, that was like a bad thing. And now I look at it as like kind of my superpower. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's why like I got the same progress report like my whole life. My mom was like, I could, I should have framed all these because there's actually, I was like, Kira's an excellent student, but she talks too much. Yeah. Sarah's a lovely girl, but she doesn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm like, but look at me now. <laughs> that like, do you have, how do you feel, not necessarily like what is your biggest regret, but like how do you feel about regrets? I mean, I think regret and shame kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So I try not to play. I don't try not to spiral because I've had a lot of spirals. Yeah. Um, That's like interesting because I, I don't I don't really believe in regrets, but like I have a lot of shame. I mean, I think that if I if something. God, I mean, I hate to even say this, but like if something tragic happened to one of my children and it was at my hands, I would feel very regretful. Yes. I mean, I felt a lot of shame around grace because it was because of my body. Um, but there wasn't a regret. So maybe regret and shame aren't the same. What is oh, it? Like, what's a regret? You feel shameful about grace? I used to. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can't like deal with how you can grieve, but like to me that I'd be like, why would you ever feel shame about that? Because I was the one that carried the yeah. I was the one with the, whatever it's called. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, genetic. The genetic thing. But regrets? I mean, maybe I regret, like, not recognizing I had a 25-year-old body when I did. <laughs> when you were just, when your tits were high and tight without having to buy boobs and your stomach was flat and you know, could just that? flow through life. You know what I regret? Like, being like, it's a Tuesday, I'm not going to go out. And now I'm like, oh, God, I had no responsibilities. I didn't have many of those Tuesdays. Jeez. But isn't it crazy to think like back to when you're like 25 and you're like, 
you just sat around bitching about your body and how you hated your body and like staring at every picture and be like, oh my God, I'm so I used gross. To think- and then you're like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I should have been on the cover of Maxim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I also always felt like I was so busy, so busy, so busy. I had nothing going on. <laughs> nothing. I mean, I was working, but like nothing. Yeah. So I guess those are my regrets. Okay, I like I mean, I'm sure I'll regret something at some point. Oh, I will tell you one thing I regret, and I've talked to her about it. Um, I regret the way I left CPY because I did an email. Yeah. And I think that that was a really, uh, that was no balls way of doing it. And I've told Beth I'm sorry for that because it really fucked her up. And then we had to backtrack a lot from that. And it was because I was so scared of, like, confrontation, which now I think is, like, I love having hard conversations. We're going to work on you, Kara. I know. Sarah Sarah last week was like coaching me. You know, I'm a Libra, so I hate confrontation. But you got to take the confront out of it and just have a conversation. I had to have one today with one of the women on our team, and it was a hard conversation for both of us. But we walked out like hugged, and there was a lot of respect. Yeah. I mean, I guess as long as you both are coming to it from a place of like. Well, it's definitely easier to have love. a conversation with a com- conversation like that with someone who's also doing the work. Yeah. It's like when I had tried to give you feedback the other day and you couldn't get it. So you say <laughs> I'm not doing the work. I mean, we're, we're working on it. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. A lot of work to do over here. Uh, and then, um, let's see. Uh, just one last question um, from Maddie K. Terry. How do you feel about butt stuff? <laughs> um, well, I like to work my glutes. Oh, perfect. That's cool. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, but you know, it's hard, it's hard for me to stop because I, I know I, get I knew talking, that. I know I Lindsay's like, okay, guys, this is talking. the great. You can talk to me. She has to leave. She has three oh, kids. Oh, okay. All right. So tell, but listen, tell everyone where they can find you because they know where they can find me. Okay, you can find me at my Instagram is kiramendenhall.com. That is K I I R A M E N D E N H A L L. Also, my website is kiramendenhall.com. I'll be having Having a collection releasing February 17th at 1 p.m. And they will go like hotcakes. So get on there right then. Um, and did... What's your Instagram? You just told us your website no, twice. No, I said both. Oh, oh, oh. Instagram. Okay. Website. Same name. Okay. And my email address. Got it. Although I'm not very good at checking that. So who knows? Yeah. Um, Text her. DM her. Yeah. <laughs> That's also kind of a, a black hole. But... Um, I do want to know, do you think that I was a good interviewer? Yeah, I think you were good. Wow. That was not very (laughs) glowing. No, no, I do. I think you were good. Was I nice? Very. Oh, wow. Compassionate? Very. Okay, great. I'm going to work on that. That's some feedback I actually have taken into my heart and I'm working on it. It's hard. Working on my compassion. Yeah. You know, I show my compassion through humor. I get it, but sometimes yeah. it can be like a little much, oh, okay. a little hurtful. <laughs> Every time Kira walks in the studio, she like if you don't, if you do not, when she walks in, do like a back handspring and like throw her a hundred. She's like, <laughs> "Did you even miss me?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, there's 50 people standing in my face, and I'm just trying to get my shit together to teach." Uh, Listen, I want you to remember this. Okay, I always missed you. Okay, I'm glad you were there. Okay, and I love you. I love you so much. So guys, thanks for listening. Please rate us, review us, share with your friends. And as always, we'll see you next week.